0: Hi and welcome to Women's Health Clarity, the podcast giving a big voice to the things women worry about. I'm Chloe Bunter, Pilates teacher trainer and creative of the Pilates Instructor Hub. My mission is to help you feel empowered in your body to move fearlessly.
1: And I'm Kate Spina, nutritionist, award-winning chef, eating disorder survivor, helping you feel more confident about what you eat. Together, we're delivering the truth bombs you need to feel more empowered about your health physical, emotional and mental. If you find this episode helpful, we'd love you to leave us a review, subscribe and share this with other women in your life. We'd also like
0: to take the time to make an acknowledgement of country. We acknowledge Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples as the first Australians and traditional custodians of the lands where we live, learn and work. Chloe from the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and Kate the Gadigal and Wangal peoples of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to the Elders, past and present, always was, always will be, Aboriginal land.
1: Hello, Chloe. Hello, everyone. Today, we are talking heavy periods.
0: Hi, Kate. Hi, everyone. Yeah, topics topic that... Um, I'm sure is, is interesting to a lot of people and affects a lot of people. Um, but before we jump into that, I'd like to actually acknowledge a really dangerous um, post that uh, was made by, and I'm sure you've seen this, Kate, um, by the New York Post. It was a New York Post article
1: oh, heralding okay.
0: that Heroin Chic is back. Yes, surely yes. you've seen that. It'd be hard oh. be hard to hard to uh, miss that one on the airwaves at the moment um, on the interwebs. Really fucked, fucked in. Oh, by the way, trigger warning, swearing. La la la. I think you know that by now. If you've just happened upon us, FYI, we swear. Um, yeah. What the actual fuck? Are you serious? And I mean, this heralds back to our earlier episodes of our podcast where. We talked about diet culture and, I mean, are you kidding me? They're promoting heroin chic? I know. Did we not leave this back in the 90s?
1: It's so disturbing and amazing that, that it's, you know, it's a trend that's promoting us to look basically a bit drug fucked, to be honest. Well, and also, like, what a way
0: to also down play a a drug addiction that has such catastrophic effects on so many people's lives Mm -hmm. as well like what what is going on here I just I'm so baffled by this messaging like who at New York Post thought this was the article to write and run with like thought this was the, the the message to put out there um I'm baffled yeah. And furious and disgusted and go and get fucked. Like our bodies are not <laughs> a trend. Our <laughs> like the shape of our body is not dictated by what is in fashion. Yeah,
1: that I find that the most disturbing part. Um, as you say and on top of minimizing um mm the really horrific challenges of any sort of addiction, whether it's drug or alcohol or an eating disorder Mm -hmm. or whatever, but also, yeah, that idea that um, our body shape is something that goes in and out of fashion and that Mm. we can manipulate it. Mm. And like fashion trends we can buy into, hairstyle trends, same, but Mm. changing your body. And again, this is aimed squarely at women. Oh, I, <laughs> like this is not this is not a male trend that's been being promoted. No, really.
0: no, and and they're they're putting it up and they're saying led by the Kardashians. You know, apparently oh. they're saying the Kardashians have had her had their butt implants removed. And, rem- and I'm just saying what they're saying. I'm not saying this no, is yeah. there's any truth to this, or who knows. And anyway, whatever the Kardashians do with their bodies, guess what? They can do whatever they like. We don't need to be led by that
1: yeah
0: like it's it's um I don't I I just don't really know what to say I'm so furious about it uh Abby Chatfield um her love Abby she uh put up a snippet from one of her podcast episodes yesterday Um, saying that she's been having a lot of comments, an influx of comments made about her weight recently, namely that she's lost weight. And so she's got all those um, messages coming through going, wow, you look great. You've lost weight. How have you done it? Share it with us. What are you doing? You look so good. And she was in tears. She's like, this has got nothing to do with me feeling good. Actually, I am at my peak stress levels. I am struggling to eat
1: Mm.
0: I am like at stop so there's this still this um pervasive uh ingrained fat phobia that when we see someone who's lost weight hey you look good you lost weight you lost weight you look good yeah and when it's it- yeah and it's just like just stop like I just think there needs to be um I'm I'm personally I know I'm going a little hijack rant here but um I'm just really fucking sick of anyone commenting on anyone's weight. Like, mm. just don't. It's you don't know how that comment will affect someone. You don't know what is going on in that person person's personal life. Um, it's none of your fucking business how much someone <laughs> weighs. Like, it, are you with me on that?
1: Yeah. No, absolutely. And in terms of complimenting weight loss. You could be complimenting weight loss because of cancer or because of grief, yep. or in Abby's case, you know, chronic stress. Um, and that's like that's it's just it's careless and yeah, it's not it's none of our business.
0: It's none of our business. And the same with weight gain. Yeah, it's, it's like we gain weight for all different reasons. Our weight fluctuates for all different reasons. Um. It's none of your business. Yeah. Like think of something else to talk to about that person. <laughs> think of other ways to ask, how are they? You know, what's going on for them in their lives at the moment? What's like, etc.?
1: Yeah. It's like diet talk. It's so boring.
0: Yeah, I'm really it's- over it. And it's interesting. Um, the, the biggest issue I have with it or that that keeps coming up time and time again is with my peers of the same generation as me. Yeah. So the Gen Xs and then with the boomers yeah um yeah. so I think you know the the both of our generations were heavily affected by dire culture mm. um and I don't see that me personally from those that are younger than me I don't see that same um hyper focus in conversation yeah. But I am still consistently getting it from peers of my age. And it's interesting because when I say, hey, not interested in talking about that, and here are the reasons why, it's taken as quite an offence. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a bit like, hey, chill out, you know, la, la, la. And it's like, mm, yeah, no, I'm explaining to you that this negatively affects me, you talking about that, I'm not interested in it.
1: Yeah, but like it's up until now. I mean and still it's it's a common thing to bond over what diet you're doing. Yeah. Oh my god. A bonding thing, you know, what have you done? What's worked for you? Yeah. Like the message that Abby was getting, oh share your secrets with me. It's mm. it's a way that women have been encouraged to connect with each other mm, mm. Um, and by doing that it keeps us small, it keeps us hyper-focused on mm. what we and trying to mould our body around whatever trend dictates is is in at the moment. Mm. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So, um, mm. fuck that, <laughs> fuck diet
0: culture and uh, fuck you, oh, New York terrible. Post. <laughs> like do better, do better. Yeah. Okay. So got that out of the way. That feels good. Let's move on now to the topic of the day, heavy periods.
1: Heavy periods. Um, And this actually, you know, could be a reason why you have low iron, which was the topic of our last podcast. Mm. So go jump on it. But I thought it was a good uh, first thing to talk about is actually what is heavy? Mm. Because I see lots of women who think they may have heavy periods. And I've know i spoken to friends and people are like, oh, I don't know, maybe my period's heavy. Like, I don't know, maybe I'm just like overestimating it. Or there's this idea that you might be a bit of a hypochondriac or exaggerating things if you like think your period's heavy. Um, so yes, um, let's talk what Average blood loss is, and Mm -hmm. then let's talk what's considered heavy. So it is estimated, okay. So I I dug deep into the research and the studies here, and um, I saw lots of studies saying that average blood loss over the course of your period, so the time of your bleed, um, they think they thought it was about 30 to 40 mils. Um, But now they think it's probably close to 60 ml. So it's about a quarter of a cup across your entire bleed. So that's average blood loss. Right, okay. Heavy blood loss is defined as 80 ml, so a third of a cup. And um, whenever I've said this to anyone, they always go, oh, no, 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 no. I lose way more than that. Like it gushes out. So it's important to understand that your blood loss is just one part of your menstrual flow. Mm -hmm. So when you have a period, when you're bleeding, you're not only losing blood, um, your period flow is only about one third blood and the other two thirds are made up of cervical mucus, some tissue and some of your uterine lining. So if you're losing 80 mils of blood, you're actually probably losing a cup Of menstrual flow ah right okay yeah so does that does that because I remember reading that and going hey I don't heavy period have heavy periods but I'm not losing 40 mils yeah right um and to put that into perspective a like thinking about in terms of like how many tampons is that
0: yeah because to me I'm sitting here going oh I wouldn't know because I use tampons
1: so yeah that's it it's easy if you use a menstrual cup because sometimes Mark um, how much the menstrual cup holds. And uh, it's yep. only about 30 mils, I think. Um, a regular tampon holds about five mils of flow. A super right. tampon holds about 10 mils. Um, so and heavy is defined as you needing to change a maxi pad or a tampon um less than every two hours. Right. So that's you. You probably have heavy periods. Mm, Interesting. Um, Yeah. Other things that can indicate heavy periods is having to double up, seizing pads and tampons, waking to change your pads at night um, or bleeding for longer than seven days. And it's estimated that one in five Australian women will have heavy periods. So I'm really lucky. I haven't experienced heavy periods, but it can be debilitating. Mm.
0: I, mine are definitely heavier now that I'm around the perimenopause kind of situation, um, I've definitely noticed uh, a change. And I mean, I think we spoke about it in the, potentially we spoke about it in the pill episode, but I was, I was on the pill from when I was a teenager, um, because that was the go-to treatment for acne um, back when you were a teenager in the 90s. It was like, okay, we'll pop you on the pill. Um if you're a female, so I – my periods were a non-event. I didn't even kind of understand what people were saying when they're like, oh, it's my period and it's horrible and this and that. I'm like, yeah, I know, it's not really anything. So that was a bit of a shock when that um, (laughs) – when I came off the pill. But it's definitely now that I'm in my 40s um, and heading, you know, mid-40s that I've noticed a significant change and also – Um, the fact that I can't seem to hold on to iron, which is really frustrating. Side note, everyone who might have listened to the iron episode um, am feeling a lot better. The uh, infusion, the iron infusion I'd had, um, I think was on the day that we had recorded maybe Um, or anywho, was around then. Um, Yeah, kicked in, feels great. So (laughs) tick.
1: Yeah, so like what... I mean, there are some more severe, rarer causes of heavy periods, um, but essentially heavy periods are linked to hormone imbalances and perimenopause and menopause is a time of hormone imbalance. When our uh, estrogen and progesterone are going up and down in ways they haven't done so before, so it's not uncommon for women um, to experience more heavy periods um, around that time mm. as well. They talk about is it called
0: f- is it flooding? What's the term? There's a there's a term that is used uh, during perimenopause
1: for super heavy periods.
0: Have you heard it, yeah. Kate?
1: Yeah, you can call it flooding. I mean, heavy periods in general are called um, menorrhagia. Oh. Um, if you wanted to get technical, but, Can you yeah. say it again? Menorrhagia.
0: Does that have the word men in it? It does. Just like menopause, just like.
1: Just like <laughs> menstrual cycle. <laughs> menstrual cycle. <can>, seriously? <laughs> it menorrhagia. Sort of like they, it sort of feels like they just went with the wrong name in convention <laughs> Let's name all these really female <laughs> things after men. Are you
0: kidding me? Menoragia.
1: <laughs> Menstrual cycle.
0: And Because men really oh. love talking about your period. They really yeah. love talking about your period.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Menoragia. Okay. Menoragia is the technical term.
1: Oh, yeah. Men- Sorry. Period, or blood. Sorry. I just have to mention this. Um, and this is probably too much information but like that's what we do here so let's just normalize Um, yes
0: okay what are you about to say
1: (laughs) um after my first child um so after you have a baby your body expels um you know placenta and your uterine lining and um some of that gets expelled with with the birth and um But you still, your body still expels that over the next couple of days. Mm. I remember going to the bathroom sort of like day two post my first baby and you wear these massive pads, like, you know, maternity pads to make sure that you're like, you know, catching all these fluids that are being expelled. And um, I remember just looking at this pad and seeing these giant blood clots and like it was huge. I'd never seen anything so big and so (laughs) weird in my life. And I remember trying to show my partner at the time, and he almost passed. <laughs> <laughs> he was, I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe this was in my body, and <laughs> I'm just really getting rid of Anyway, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I thought it was really interesting, and he was like, I'm going to vomit the <laughs> men's paint. And it was like, Oh, yes. Anyway, <gasps> we should name it after women. Men can't handle no,
0: that. No, men are That's ridiculous.
1: Yes. Um, but yeah, so. The hormone imbalance um, that comes with perimenopause and menopause can be a factor. Other things that can – so why does a hormone imbalance cause heavy periods? Because um, it can cause so that higher estrogen in relation to progesterone um, causes the the lining of your uterus or the endometrium to grow thicker than it normally would. Um, So therefore that's what you shed when Uh you have your period so that's why your period your period bleed your menstrual bleeding is a bit heavier um and on top of perimenopause and menopause um other things which can be factors in hormone imbalances can be poor gut health um so and this can you know if you've gone low carb, that also means low fiber. So you may not be eliminating um, estrogen through your gut as you could be if you have gut dysbiosis. So an overgrowth of bad bacteria, that can also mean that the um, some of the ways, the enzymes that break down your excess estrogen aren't working as they should be. Um, poor liver health. So your estrogen gets metabolized through your liver and then through your gut. So if your liver's struggling a bit or is not getting the nutrients it needs to do its job, that can be a factor in hormone imbalance Um, and things like polycystic ovarian syndrome, Mm -hmm. which can interfere with ovulation, which is how you make progesterone. So if you've got low progesterone in relation to estrogen, that can be a factor your thyroid can interfere with your hormone balance and things like endometriosis and fibro, fibroids and polyps can also be a factor mm-hmm. in hip periods. And um, the copper IUD can also cause heavier periods which is a bummer because it's a non-hormonal form of contraception Mm. and we like our hormones where they are thank you very much but in some women it can cause heavier bleeds so that sort of that sort of feels like a bummer. Won't be for everyone, but um, yeah. So there's some of the main things that can be interfering with your menstrual cycle. I should also mention that thyroid problems, as well as being a factor in heavy periods, can also make your period go awol. So it can affect it um, both ways.
0: Right. So there's that. So that was a that was a decent list of things that can cause heavy periods yeah so um if someone's concerned that they have
1: a heavy period what's the first steps i i always recommend going to your gp to rule out some things yeah you know have you had a recent pap smear is that up to date um you know, rule out some things, ask for some blood tests so you could get some hormonal tests to look for markers of polycystic ovarian syndrome. You could talk about um, symptoms that might be an indicator of endometriosis or fibroids. You might get your thyroid checked. Um, You might also get your fasting insulin and glucose checked because sometimes that can be... um, a factor. It's good to get your cholesterol checked as well because you need a certain amount of cholesterol to make your reproductive hormones. Mm-hmm. So yes, always go to your GP to rule out some of um, some of the more severe things. Mm-hmm. And then if those things come back and they've all you've ticked all those boxes and nothing seems to be going on, that's when your main um, pathway forward then is really focusing on nutrition for your liver. And your gut to support your best, not well, your most optimal progesterone levels and your best estrogen clearance. Because I think when we think about anything relating to periods and our reproductive system, we just always think about estrogen. Mm. The blame. Your estrogen levels might be more than adequate. They might be optimal. Maybe you're not producing enough progesterone. Mm. Um, and you produce progesterone only when you ovulate. So my first tip is grab pen, paper, pencil, phone, whatever, make some notes. Mm -hmm. My first tip is know if you ovulate Um, and please ignore your period app if it's just automatically telling you when you're meant to be ovulating because that may not always be correct. Right. Can you give some more context to
0: that? Because I mean, here's me, the layperson, um, And yeah, I track my periods in my Fitbit app. And it kind of tells me when I am
1: doing what, you know, and when to expect what and la la la. Yeah, period trackers. Hey, and they're great. I use a period tracker. Um, but I turn off the predictive ovulation. So um, it doesn't tell me why because it may not be correct in my case it never was so for example it will pick um sort of 10 to 12 days before your period or it might pick halfway between your period to tell depending on the tracker Mm -hmm. um to tell you when you should be ovulating and that's not always the case for women women will ovulate um it's very rare for a woman to have for example a like 28 day cycle and ovulate on day 14 each time um it's common to have a window, um, mm. and, and most likely to be ovulating between day 14 and day 18 or 19. Right. So um, the best way to check that is use your period tracker suggestion as a guide, um, but look out for egg white cervical mucus. If you don't know what that looks like, it looks like egg white. If you Google it, you will see thousands of photos of this again probably too much information but get really
0: I don't think it's too much information gosh it should just be the norm that we it should be this stuff
1: yeah so and that really irks me at school we get told about periods when we get older and go to the doctor we get told how to avoid our bleed or manage our bleed, but no one is talking about ovulation.
0: I mean, the, when I hear ovulation discussed, it's more with my friends who are trying to get pregnant. Yeah. So that's when there seems to be a decent amount of discussion around it um, and around mucus and so on. Um, for my friends like me who have never been, you know, not not having babies um, yeah. and are now in midlife, it's it's kind of a bit more on the periphery that discussion
1: yeah ovulation is the star of your menstrual cycle show right everything that we get told as girls teenagers women is about dealing with our bleed Mm. um managing our bleed take the pill if you have heavy bleeds but ovulation is the star we know that the more you ovulate the better your overall health the better your bone density Mm. Um when you ovulate, you produce progesterone, which is really calming as well, um and it can help reduce heavy periods and we don't get told about that
0: and how would you know because I know you said before you need to know if you are ovulating, what if someone's not like like what if like maybe I yeah, am maybe I'm not I don't know like how can you
1: actually can you test for if you're ovulating? Oh, you can. So I recommend people, uh, first of all, looking for that egg white cervical mucus. You can also track your body temperature, but I find that most people, if they're not trying to get pregnant, struggle with that. You have to take your body temperature in the morning, at the same time, before you get out of bed. Most people's routines aren't consistent enough Mm. for that. So look for that egg white cervical mucus from day 10 of your cycle. Okay, just be on the lookout for that. You'll see it maybe when you're in the shower, when you're um, using like wiping with toilet paper when you go to the toilet. It looks like egg white is quite viscous. Um, you can stretch it between your fingers, and that's a sign that you're leading up to ovulation. Mm-hmm. When you see that, that's where you can actually use um, ovulation sticks. So you pee on a stick, and it tells you. Uh-huh. If- so um my personal experience of this was um when I was trying to get pregnant with my first child I had my period tracker it was telling me so I had a great 28 day cycle it was telling me that I was ovulating on day 14 I thought this is great when I checked it with an ovulation um with the ovulation sticks I wasn't ovulating until day 17 18 or 19 so I was out but like you know 3 to 5 days
0: yeah
1: um so yeah so that was that was really insightful to me and most of the clients i have who are trying to get pregnant and when we're looking at their ovulation um i would say 80% of them don't ovulate when their period app says they are right okay it's really interesting yeah 20% would be i mean they they're giving it their best shot but every woman is different mhm Um, so yeah, so first of all, know you're ovulating because then that means you're producing progesterone. And progesterone balances. So when we're talking hormone balance, we want a lovely amount of estrogen. We want that balanced by a lovely amount of progesterone. So check you are ovulating. Next step is address any constipation you may have. Um, because you eliminate excess estrogen first of all through your liver and then out through your gut. So you need to be pooing. You need to be pooing daily, people. Um, So if you struggle with a little bit of constipation, then um, you might wanna get um, a little gut health check, or maybe just think about adding some more fiber. And my favorite type of fiber for reducing estrogen is flax seeds, but you get fiber in fruit and vegetables, legumes, whole grains, but one one to two tablespoons of flax seeds daily Has been shown to help reduce estrogen. Mm. Um, So that's a really good tip. So, um, yes, check your ovulating, add some flax seeds to your smoothie or your muesli or make some flaxseed crackers um, and just get a little lovely gut health check if you've got some problems going on. Um, Bloating can be a sign of poor gut health and that's not going to be great for your hormone balance. So, if you struggle with A decent amount of bloating like if it's happening daily for you if it gets worse throughout the day um if it you just can't seem to get on top of it then you might want to go and get some advice about that Mm.
0: so curious because i mean i you know i'm sure anyone that's sitting here listening and if they've got heavy periods you're kind of ticking off "Ah, don't think that's me don't think that you know you like i'm sitting here going "Ah, ah, ah, ah." so i like to zoom in that because i i know i am ovulating um i'm not constipated um, I don't experience bloating. Um, however, I do think I have other gut kind of things going on. So bloating isn't the only
1: kind of indication of potential gut health stuff, right? No, it's probably the most obvious. Okay. Um, but yes, constipation, diarrhea, nutrient deficiencies, like low iron, low B12, um reflux can also indicate poor digestive health yeah you know um slow stool transit time seeing bits of food in your stools as well or mucus um all those things can can point to to poor gut health so a good idea just to have a like check your poo out the next time you see it make sure you're going daily um there's some like real like lovely basics there also think about um, are you getting enough like different coloured fruit and vegetables? Mm. So we see that a Mediterranean-style eating pattern is linked with better hormone balance.
0: Ah, that's really
1: interesting. So there's studies on that? Yes, there there are. So thinking about so what sort of eating habits are Mediterranean-style, so lots of fruit and vegetables, so getting lots of different polyphenols, so they're brightly coloured um, the compounds that give fruit and vegetables and plants their colours. Yeah. So we know that's good for hormone balance. Having oily fish throughout the week, having a balance of animal and, veget- and plant protein, mm-hmm. getting adequate fibre, low in saturated fat. They're the hallmarks of a Mediterranean-style eating pattern and they seem to support um, especially good oestrogen clearance as well.
0: Ah, oh, That's really interesting. i I'm, I'm, Yeah, I'm really fascinated in that. The other thing, and correct me if I'm wrong, maybe this related to something else. But thinking back to that very early on discussion you and I had on my Instagram um, around perimenopause, and there were a couple of supplements that you had suggested, namely calcium
1: and magnesium. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. Calcium and magnesium can both be can both be um, good at perimenopause or Um, would
0: they be helpful in regards to heavy periods or totally different thing?
1: It's a slightly different, right? Okay. um, Yeah. So um, in terms of like supplementation, in terms of heavy periods, um, first of all, get your iron checked, like make sure your heavy periods aren't causing you to be low in iron. But in terms of um, like, what are you thinking about if you're thinking about supplement and periods? So first of all, if you're not ovulating, you need to make sure you're getting the nutrients you need to ovulate. So, first of all, enough yeah. food. Yeah, enough food, and then enough um carbohydrates. And and thinking about those lovely higher fiber carbohydrates like fruit, vegetables, whole grains, legumes. Um, and then specifically, um, there are two supplements that I really like for hormone balance, and there are a few others on top of this. Like, there are some things that are really targeted at reducing estrogen. But in general, I really like vitamin B6 mm-hmm. and vitamin C. Um, and vitamin C. Yeah. Oh. So B6 is linked to reducing estrogen while increasing your progesterone. Oh. So, yeah, a nice little double It's oh. support. I love it when you can B6. sort of – yeah, kill two birds with one stone, um, and vitamin C is also been shown to support um, a nice hormone balance. Now, B6, it is found. Um, it's really rich in things like liver and organ meats, but it's also found in like fish and poultry and egg yolks. Um, so if you're getting, um, if you're eating animal products, you um, may be getting enough if you are vegetarian or vegan you may need to think about this a bit more and I actually this is like freshly in my mind because I just sent a B6 food chart to one of my vegetarian clients yesterday just on the foods um, that we're getting her to include Um, not necessarily for heavy periods actually it's just for general fertility Um, but yeah it's a little bit harder so um, that's where a supplement might be beneficial for you. And the supplementation shown to support hormone balance with B6 is significantly higher than your recommended daily intake. So that's where like some, a little bit of a diet assessments and personal advice would be beneficial here. But with vitamin C, like oranges, strawberries, mangoes, even have some broccoli has a decent amount of vitamin C just focusing on getting some more fruit and veg, um, will be really good there Rockmelon isn't a bad source either um but yeah that's a really easy way to support hormone balance
0: mm. um i'm a bit excited to get some basics uh i think that's um sounding pretty yeah. awesome to me could you remind us um i think this was from our supplementation issue and uh, supplementation episode, sorry, not issue. Uh, you little vitamin C, you said there's no use taking over. How much was
1: it? There was a, uh, like it's probably best to take no more than 200 milligrams at a time. That's pretty much the most your body's going to absorb for optimal, um, like vitamin C, like circulating vitamin C, um, and yet, we see vitamin C marketed at, you know, super vitamin C, 1000 milligrams. Yeah, yeah. You're going to pee like four fifths of that out. Right. <laughs> so, if you have one of those 1000 milligram bottles at home, like cut that tablet into four and, and split the dose, take, you know, take one a day or take one morning and night, and you'll actually absorb more and, and pee it out less. Right. Um, but, yeah, it's just marketing, it's just it just looks good and that and and I get it though, you know if a little bit is good, then more must be better, right, that makes sense, yeah, sort of appealing, and especially when you have a problem that you want solved, it's like, yeah, if a little bit is good, then more has to be better mm. um, and it's sort of I think preying a bit on you know those needs. Um, but yeah, if you're following a Mediterranean style eating pattern and focusing on getting lots of different colored fruit and veg, um, you should be getting enough vitamin C if you're in doubt, go and get some advice. Um, so there's some really good like gut habits there, but you also metabolize estrogen through your liver. And we can't talk about liver health without talking about cruciferous vegetables. Mm -hmm. So these are things like broccoli um, chard, oh, chard is so delicious, uh, Brussels sprouts, bok choy, cabbage, so make a coleslaw, radishes are cruciferous vegetables and things like turnips and rocket are cruciferous. So getting half a cup of one of those most days is a really good idea if you're trying to support your liver health um, and that's definitely something that should be a focus if you're struggling with heavy periods. Mm. Um, and then also thinking about your liver. And there's some really interesting research on this is thinking about your alcohol consumption if you're struggling with heavy periods. So, I looked at a study yesterday which um, was looking at alcohol consumption in heavy periods and it linked 25 grams of alcohol with um, 25 grams of alcohol a day with higher estrogen levels. So, 25 grams of alcohol, what is that in a mm. standard? A standard drink. I did double check this. I was like, yeah, I've got no idea. <laughs> I, I was, I was close, but I'm like, oh, what's, what's that again? Um, a standard drink is contains fourteen grams of alcohol. So just over one and a half drinks. So if you're having a couple of drinks, wow. you know, more often than not, and like when we're recording this, it's, it's November, so we are going into. Christmas parties and end of year celebrations and it's my birthday it, Christmas Eve. It's definitely party time. Oh nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we're going into a time where like a couple of drinks is that's not a that's gonna be pretty common. Catching up with friends, having a couple of drinks. Um that's that's gonna be something that's probably popping up more for people over the next few months. So if you have heavy periods, though, that could be something that you have a little bit of think about mm-hmm. and aim to drink, um, you know, keep your drinking to one drink and only on two to three days a week. And then see what happens to your periods over the next three to four months. Um, it's important to remember, too, that anything you're doing to try and affect your hormones, give it three to four months to see some some improvements. Like it's not going to happen overnight. You've got a complex hormonal dance going on between your gut, your liver and your hormones. And um, yeah, focusing on really lovely, consistent habits and looking for improvements over the course of of three to four months is going to be much more beneficial than trying to do all the things all at once and looking for um, an improvement, you know, within a week. So,
0: and and I think that's, I mean, that's great advice. Um, as we all know, it's not, you you know, you change, like I want something to change now. And if I change the thing, it's going to change now. Right. And it's like, actually, no, unfortunately that's not how things work. So, um, mm, sticking with it. There's a great book. If you are actually struggling with, uh, creating a new habit, which, I mean, is just being a human, right? Struggling with creating a new habit is just being a human. So that's really normal. But there's a great book, and I may have mentioned it in early episodes, I'm unsure, but I'll mention it again, Tiny Habits by B.J. Fogg. And, um, yeah, so he has done a lot of research. He's in the States and he's done a lot of research um, on how humans create habits, how we can break habits that we might not that might not serve us anymore how we can create new positive habits um, that are leading us in to what we're wanting to do um, and it's fantastic so tiny habits it just helps you create new habits with tiny little bite-size bite-sized changes um, that are anchored to, to something so that you don't forget to do it so trust me have a look at it they've got a lot of um, free info on you, know, you don't have to go out and buy the book although the book is fantastic I have the book but if you just type in tiny habits by bj fogg you'll get up a list of what it's all about um and they also have if you go onto his website and we can link the website in the show notes uh you can do it's free you sign up I think it's a week
1: oh nice a little week
0: thing yeah so yeah I highly recommend um, and actually it's a good reminder to me for a couple of things that I would like to implement at the moment to um, not feel like I have to change everything at once. And that's really what it's about because trying to change everything at once, um, you're setting yourself up for failure.
1: Oh, yeah. And we think we convince ourselves each time that we can do it. We're going to start on a, we're going to get all the things we need. We're going to make sweeping changes. We're going to be a new person. Um, it's really seductive, but yeah, I like the the tiny changes. I might actually link to that in the show notes because it ties in really well with probably the 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 last thing that that you do need to think about when you're thinking about heavy periods, and that's from a perspective of supporting a progesterone. And you mentioned magnesium. Yeah, actually, magnesium iodine zinc and vitamin d are nutrients that are, are really important in progesterone so um, if you've been if you've tested low for vitamin d you're worth getting that checked again but one thing that's so important for supporting your progesterone is stress management mm. so um and again it's sort of Stress management. We all know it's a good thing. We know we should be meditating or being mindful. Um, but it's sort of like sleep and drinking water. We we know all those things are really important for us, but we all struggle with them to an extent. So maybe um tying in five minutes of meditation into into a tiny habit and anchoring it to something could be really beneficial. So I definitely um I'll definitely link to that. That sounds amazing. Um and then something else and and you've touched on this Chloe about the advice you got as a teenager for your skin to go on the pill. a really common practice is that if a woman is struggling with heavy periods that they are recommended to go on the pill. So why is that? Well because um, oral contraceptives can or hormonal contraceptives can reduce heavy bleeds by inhibiting the growth of um, your uterus lining. So you have, you have less to, to bleed out. Um, there is so much we could say on this and we have. We spoke about the the things that you need to know when considering going on the pill and that's a choice that you and your pra- your health practitioner will best make together. But it's really important to know about what the pill is actually doing to your body and the recommended um, nutrients that you need to top up on if you're taking the pill. So if you haven't listened to our episode on the pill, I highly recommend you do that. Um, And know that there are other things you can do. You can support your estrogen clearance with your gut and your liver health, and you can support optimal progesterone production by making sure you're ovulating getting some key nutrients and managing your stress.
0: Fantastic, Kate. Thank you. That's all the advice I would have liked my doctor um, (laughs) to have given me (laughs) the (laughs) time I went in and chatted about (laughs) my periods, Um, which, you know, the first point of call was the pill or um, the implant in the arm, both of which I was like, no, I have zero desire to go back on uh, any sort of birth control um, at this point in my life. Um, and then, to be fair to them, they did send me off to get um, some some further checks, including including an ultrasound to check for fibroids and so on.
1: Oh, that's good. Yeah.
0: So you know, we're doing some investigation, but it, it definitely not any discussion around. Nutrition, supplementation, stress (laughs) and so on, which is a shame. It's a shame because uh, the bottom line is we are these biopsychosocial, I've talked about it before, biopsychosocial creatures that nothing kind of exists on and of its own. It's all this this interplay, right? Dance, as you said, of, of... Everything.
1: Yeah, mm. we are complex Venn diagrams and there <laughs> things that overlap, and um, and e- yeah, even just thinking about that that gut liver, um, you know, hormonal health aspect. Mm. Like, you could be seeing like your your challenge could be heavy periods, but how you deal with that could actually be just getting some more fiber for your gut. Mm may not be as simple as that, I should say that, but Mm. that's it. So it's not actually targeting your hormones. Your hormones may not be the problem. Mm. And trying to control them may not be the best pathway. It actually might be, well, how can I support other systems in my body to regulate those to their best levels? Mm. So, yeah, some good first steps there.
0: Fantastic, Kate. That was really, really helpful. And um, I am definitely adding some basics to my shopping list.
1: Yeah, it's nice. Start with liver if you like it. That's a big... I'm
0: like pick one, start with one, see how I go. <laughs> <laughs> and then a couple of tiny habits are coming my way. So uh-huh. yeah, yeah, you'd love you'd love that book, um, Kate, and uh, might be helpful for some of your clients as well.
1: Yeah, I think I am gonna have to check it out. Absolutely. Thanks yeah. for the record. You're
0: welcome. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. And as always, please, if you enjoyed this, if it was helpful, share it, Um, leave us a review. We'd really love to bump the reviews up. It's um, hard to get as much get traction without kind of people going, why should I listen to this? So please let people know why they should listen. And also let us know your feedback and what you would like us to talk about.
1: Yes, absolutely. Knowing what's on your mind, what questions you would like answered, helps us plan our topics for upcoming episodes. Yeah. Thanks, Kate. Great chatting. Thanks for
0: all your knowledge. Ah, Thanks, Chloe. It's been a pleasure. Talk to you soon. Bye, everyone.